Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody that's here this morning. Glad to have you with us. Uh, for those in the choir, they already know this, but I was skinning a cat earlier this morning. <laughs> if you, you know that phrase, <laughs> you have a, a thing that goes wrong and you just got to find some way to get it done. And Ben came in and saved the day. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Ben. Uh, glad to have those of you who are joining with us there online, whether you're on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, be sure to like, to heart, to share, to follow, subscribe, do all those things, comment. That's just one of the big things too that helps uh, to get the algorithms there to recognize it and to get that word out. So encourage you to take the time to do that and welcome to our phone live streaming uh, individuals that are not on the internet, but they're listening uh, on their phone. It calls them automatically. If you need that number, see me after church. I'll be glad to give that to you. If you're at home and you want to share that number with someone, call our church office. We'll be glad uh, to give that to you. Let me encourage you also, if you do have access to our church website, go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab. You can download the worship bulletins, uh, the children's worship bulletin. The children's worship bulletins are in the window to my right, so be sure to pick up one of those. Uh, if you need those, uh, you can send those links to anybody. Use it as an outreach tool uh, for the online resource there. Uh, the bulletins are at the doors, so be sure to grab uh, one of those. And while you're under that info tab, 
tab. Don't forget uh, our prayer list there, so be sure to get that downloaded for this week and be praying for all those individuals uh, on the prayer list. So uh, thank you again for being here this morning. Pray for the choir we're going to be singing to this morning. Brother Mike, if you'll come. Morning all. Take your hymnals and stand, please. And let's sing to God be the glory, all three verses. To you're wondering I don't have my cat in the bag so <laughs> we do want to encourage you to take your bulletins and look at and pray for our missionary of the week Naya Wilder who is serving uh, the deaf peoples uh, and so uh, there's a great article there I want to encourage you to take the time to read that we are also still emphasizing our golden offering for Tennessee missions and so we wanted to share one of the other ministries uh, that our state uh, missionaries are doing uh, one of those that we're involved with I'll share about it here in just a moment with the backpack also uh, but this is our compassion ministries video so we want to encourage you to listen to this and, and prayerfully watch this as followers of Christ, we don't just live for today, we live for the day. Hi, I'm Beth Moore, the Compassion Ministry Specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. And I wanna take a minute, or maybe three, and tell you a little about Compassion Ministry in Tennessee. From the beginning, Compassion has been a barometer for our devotion to Jesus. And when it's all said and done, there will be a time for us to celebrate. We'll be with Jesus and he'll say, come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. 
I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is why we must have a heart of compassion. Jesus has a heart of compassion. Lots of times when we think about compassion ministries, we think of third world countries. And while the need's great overseas, we cannot forget about the needs right here in our own backyard. The need is overwhelming. I'm gonna throw a lot at you, so fasten your seatbelt and let's go. Let's start with this one. 13.9% of all Tennesseans are living below the poverty line. One in eight people in our state face hunger, and one in six children in Tennessee don't have enough to eat. So yes, hunger is a pressing issue in Tennessee, but it also gives us an opportunity to share Jesus. We must also show compassion and hope to girls and young women who find themselves in the mire of an unplanned pregnancy. 44% of all births in Tennessee are to unmarried mothers. On any given day, more than 8,000 children are in foster care in Tennessee. In order to be pro-life, we must engage, help, and respond. Jesus says our enemy tries to kill, steal, and destroy. One of the ways we've seen this strategy at work in Tennessee is the tragic effects of addiction. In 2020, there were more than 3,000 opioid overdose deaths in Tennessee. There were more than 4 million painkiller prescriptions written in 2021. Tennessee is in the top 15 of all states in overdose deaths. When we think of human trafficking, we often think about countries like Thailand and India, but every county in Tennessee has reported cases of human trafficking. We are changing as a state, and that provides a golden opportunity for evangelism. Nearly half a million people in Tennessee speak a language other than English at home. Think about all the ministry that could happen right here in Tennessee. These are just a few of the reasons we say, any way you slice it, Tennessee is a mission field. And the Golden Offering is the fuel to fund our strategies to win Tennessee. Let's do a new thing together. And so we want to encourage you to be praying about giving to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. One of the projects that you've helped us with earlier this summer uh, are these backpacks. You helped us collect some things earlier this summer. Uh, we are still in need of a few more items uh, to finish filling out and packing out these bags. We don't want to send half-empty bags uh, to kids uh, across the, the state here, to the, mostly to East Tennessee and, and West Tennessee, where a lot of these will go to. Uh, but we want to encourage you to, if you would be interested in helping us still with those, uh, please see me after the service down here in front of the piano. I'll give you a little bit more information about what's needed uh, to finish filling out the backpacks. But thank you for what you've already uh, given towards that. And so uh, let me just uh, lead us in a word of prayer for our missions efforts. Uh, and then we have a special guest that we want to introduce to you too this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the missions work that you're doing uh, in our hearts and our lives and, uh, and through the the blessings that you've given us uh, to be able to give of our tithes and our offerings to support the work of our own church, but also uh, ministering across Tennessee uh, through our tithes and our offerings across this nation, uh, through our love offerings also, as well as through the International Mission Board. And so we want to uplift all those missionaries. And especially, Lord, our golden offering for Tennessee missions, we pray, God, that you would just speak to our hearts, uh, continue, Lord, to, to guide us in what you would have us to give, and continue to burden us, Lord, for praying for all of those missionaries. And so, Lord, we just pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, many of you know Mark Puckett. He is our former director of missions. Uh, he has a couple of things he's going to come and share with us uh, this morning about some missions opportunities as well as some other events that he's leading through our association along with our director. So, Brother Mark, good to see you. Good morning. I have retired as the director of the Duck River Association, but I'm still an ambassador for the association. So I wanted to share with you very quickly some opportunities that are going to be coming up in the next year. Uh, three 
different mission opportunities are in February going to Mexico on mission, in July, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and uh, in March, Taiwan. If you would have an interest in any of those, just learning more information about them, no obligation at this point, uh, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to connect with me on that in just a moment. Um, November of next year, November of 2024, I'm gonna be leading a tour of the Holy Land. If you have not been to Israel, it is a life-changing experience. You will never read your Bible the same again. So if you'd like more information about that, I wanna share information with you about that. And then finally, January 11th, at our associational office out on Highway 41A, uh, we're gonna start a, an association-wide study of Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Uh, I worked at Lifeway in the late 90s, shortly after that study originally came out, and I talked to people not only from around the country, but from around the world who told me that that study had changed their life. It's the number one selling book that Lifeway has ever produced. If you've not done that study, let me encourage you to think about and consider that it's a 12-week study on Thursday nights starting January 11th. I'm gonna be right here at the front on this side when the service is over. I've got a sign-up sheet simply for you to give me your email address. If you'll give me your email address and tell me if you're interested in any particular ones of these things I've just mentioned, I will send you information on that. All right, thank you. Thank you, Mark. And so just remember that, all those different places, Mexico, Taiwan, uh, Canada, and then the trip to Israel, uh, as well as that study uh, that he's gonna be leading. I uh, also wanna encourage you to give of your tithes and your offerings. You'll find those still in the windowsills. Uh, you've got your regular white envelopes for the regular offering, the pink for the golden offering for Tennessee missions, or you can go online, uh, even at home, and do that on our church website there at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side and click that Give Online tab. Easy platform, easy way to set it up there. So thank you this morning for listening to our announcements. Take your hymnals once again and turn to 410. It is well with my soul.
pray for our choir as we sing this morning. And if you feel like joining along in with us, you feel free uh, to do that too. and valleys in our way but right here in this moment may our strength be renewed as we recall what God has done and how we've seen him move if there's anybody here who's found him faithful anybody here knows he's tomorrow and we've seen it time and time again just say and follow where he leads greater is the one who's in us than he who's in the world so child of god remember the battle is the lord's if there's anybody here who's found him faithful anybody here Take your hymnals while I breathe. 
turn to 142, and y'all stand, please, if you would, and sing. There is a fountain, 142. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of Luke as we continue our walk through the life of Jesus. I've entitled this message this morning, On Which Side Are You On? And you'll understand that as we get into the text. If you'll remember, Jesus... Uh, is on the cross, and so that's where we're going to begin, uh, is here in Luke chapter 23, and we're going to start with verse 33 for that for just now uh, as we get into our text. So Luke 23, verse 33, and let us stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage we're about to look at. And Father, I pray that you will take your word this morning to use it in our hearts to bring those who may not have uh, that relationship with you to faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Lord, may you encourage those of us who are believers uh, to be faithful about sharing the gospel and discipling uh, those believers who come to faith. And Father, we just pray that you would bless your word this morning in a powerful way 
for your will to be done, for your name to be glorified and honored. And we just ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You know, the universal symbol of our Christian faith is the cross, the old rugged cross. The, the empty tomb is the foundation of Christianity, but the cross is so often the focus of Christianity. When we think about the place called Calvary, so often we think about uh, that hill far away in, in our mind's eyes. Uh, we often picture the cross there upon which Jesus died. Brother Mark shared a while ago about the trip to Israel and how it will literally change uh, your life and, and your perspective as you read uh, through the Bible and especially uh, the Gospels and the Old Testament itself too. It, it is a life-changing experience. I've been there before too, so I'd encourage you uh, to think about going on that trip. So, but as we think about it, we have our in our mind's eye what we think it will look like. It's a lot different when you actually uh, get there. But too often we forget that there wasn't just one cross uh, that day. There were three crosses. That's what we see here in verse 33. Uh, there was more than one cross. There was more than one crucifixion. There was a cross of redemption. There, there was also, though, a cross of reception and a cross of of rejection. Somebody once said that, uh, that Jesus didn't die in a cathedral between two candles. He died on a cross between two criminals. Three men died that day on a cross. One was a benefactor. One was a blasphemer. One was a believer. One was a savior. One was a sinner. And one was a saint. One man died for sin Another man died in sin, and a third man died to sin. Now, the fact here that the Holy, the Holy Savior died between uh, two hopeless sinners was not just an accident. I mean, think about it. Jesus could have been crucified by himself with nobody else on that hill at all. But it was by God's divine appointment that these two criminals, one would be on his right, one would be on his left. It was a divine appointment. It was a fulfillment of prophecy because Isaiah had said uh, some 750 years before about the Messiah in Isaiah 53 and verse 12, it said that and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So before this world was even created, God had made this appointment in his calendar, if you will, for the Savior to meet the sinners and for these sinners hanging on these crosses beside him to meet the Savior. Two men died that day. One died on the wrong side of Jesus, the other on the right side of Jesus. And understand that when, this, when that day comes that you die, the only question that's going to matter is what I've entitled this message. Which side are you on? Because now here were both men who at the beginning here were both on the wrong side. But one man gets on the right side. And the way that he gets on the right side is the way that all of us have to get on the right side. So I want to uh, ta take you on a, a walk through and look through Calvary here to look through the eyes of a sinner who becomes a saint. And so the first point I want you to get from this message this morning is the revelation of his sin in verse 39 down through verse 40. So if you will turn over to verse 39 down through verse 40. So notice in verse 39, talking about those criminals now, it picks back up with them. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence. Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? So this thief here in verse 39 saw something in the last minutes of his life that he had, that had he not seen it, would have doomed his life forever. He saw his own sinfulness. He realized that it was his sin that had nailed himself to the cross. But more than that, he realized that it was his sin that had also nailed Jesus to the cross. 
You see, the reason why this thief was saved, as we're going to see here, is because he finally realized he was lost without Jesus. He realized that because he was a lost sinner, he needed uh, a, 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 to, to fear a holy God. And it was a fear, his fear of God that led him to his faith in God. So it's important to understand not only why one thief was saved, but to also understand why the other one was not. Because understand this other one, he had no fear of the person of God. One thief wanted to save his soul. The other thief wanted to save himself. That's what we see there, especially in verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. All that guy was concerned about was saving his own skin, saving his own hide. This thief wasn't interested in going to heaven. He just wanted to go home. His problem wasn't, was that he hadn't learned to fear God himself. And so verse 40, the other rebukes him and says, do you not fear God? And so he, he, what's wrong with this thief is so often what's wrong with the world today. There's no fear of God. You know, the reason why we hear so little about the fear of God today is because we hear so little about the holiness of God today. Understand this, God is not some man uh, in, in, upstairs. He isn't some kind of uh, bellhop that you can just call on whenever you need something. Bring me this, Lord. Bring me that. I need this. I need that. And you never uh, do anything. He isn't some kind of heavenly bellhop. He is the holy God uh, of this world who hates sin and punishes sinners. Jesus himself had warned his disciples on one occasion in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28 when he said, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, have a holy fear of God. Understand this, so often today, today we're more afraid of death than we are the one who holds the keys to death and, and to hell. We're more afraid of thunder uh, than we are the one who claps his hands and makes the thunder. We're more afraid of earthquakes than the one who can make the earthquake by his whisper. You know, many people don't fear God because they really don't know what the fear of God even is. The fear of God is more than just a, a reverential trust, a, a, rever a reverential whole, uh, respect. It's more than just an awe. You see, the fear of the Lord is that we have a continual awareness that we are in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God, and that every thought and every word and every action and every deed that we do is before him and is being judged by him. But when you look at our world today, we're living in a world that's more wicked it seems, than it's ever been. And we're getting more wicked by the day. Now, we, we all know what's happening, but do we really understand why it's happening? I mean, listen to what the Word of God has to say. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 15 down through verse 18, the Bible says, Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. And then notice the last verse of verse 18 says, there, The reason all that is happening is there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we may say that about the world out there, but that's so often true about us in here, that we don't have the fear of God that we ought to have. I mean, think about it. In our world, crime has become a cancer that is eating us and killing us from the inside out. Just think about Jeremiah here who prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. He said, your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. He was saying that about the nation of Israel, but it could be said so true of us today. Secondly, we also see that there's no fear of the punishment of God. Think about this thief again on the cross. It wasn't just that this thief had no fear of the person of God. He had no fear of the punishment of God. 
Because notice the question raised there in verse 40 by the other thief that was hanging on the cross. He said, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? The word there for condemnation is the Greek word that is translated so often the word judgment. He was trying to get this thief to realize that he not only had an appointment with death, he also had an appointment with judgment. I mean, think about it, Dave. Have you ever wondered why people don't get saved? You ever thought about, uh, thought it through, why it is that people refuse to trust Christ? Why it is that people refuse to give their hearts uh, to the Lord? That people choose to go to hell when they could go to heaven? You don't have to wonder why. The Scripture tells us why. In Psalms chapter 10 and verse 13, it says, Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not call to account? In other words, I don't have anything to worry about. You're not going to do anything about what I do in my life. I can live whatever way I want. God's not going to judge me. The person who doesn't fear the person of God doesn't fear the punishment of God. And the person who won't fear the person of God nor the punishment of God won't experience the pardon of God. A.W. Tozier rightly said this. He said, no one can know the true grace of God who hasn't first known the fear of God. You see, it's the fear of God that leads to faith in God. Where there is no fear, there is no faith. We read on with these thieves, and we find out in verse 41 and verse 42, the revolution in his soul. So we saw the revelation of his sin, that he realizes he's a sinner, but now we're going to see a revolution that happens in his soul in verse 41 and verse 42. So verse 41 says, and we indeed justly, in other words, we deserve to be punished justly, we did what, what we were accused of, we deserve to die on this cross, we indeed justly deserve to die, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this thief is looking over at Jesus, and he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This thief, who is wonderfully saved, wasn't so sympathetic to Jesus at first. In fact, when you read Matthew's gospel, Matthew records that at first he too was singing in the choir of the critics as they mocked and ridiculed the Lord. Let's read that passage in Matthew 27 and verse 41 to 44 that says, So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers, the thieves, both of them, who were crucified with him, also reviled him in the same way. So both of them, both the guys hanging on either side of Jesus were reviling Jesus, were mocking Jesus just like everybody else did. But something happened to the thief that was on the right-hand side of Jesus that he saw something. We saw a moment ago that he saw his sinfulness because he had been ridiculing Jesus. But this transformation begins to take place. Condemnation Condemning of his sins turns into adoration. Disrespect turns into devotion. Laughter at Jesus turns into love for Jesus. Ridicule of Jesus turns into reverence for Jesus. Now, we're not expressly told exactly what it was that brought about this change. Maybe he changed because he saw the silence of Jesus hanging on that cross, who even though he was oppressed and even though he was afflicted, he yet not opened not his mouth. Maybe it was because he heard the prayer of Jesus. Remember the prayer of Jesus that we looked at last week? when he looked down from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Maybe he heard that prayer and that's what clicked in his heart and connected with him and, he, and that transformation began in his heart. Maybe it was because he felt the sweetness of Jesus and saw for the first time in his life a love that only God could have. But regardless of the reasons why, Nobody can deny that there was a change 
that took place in this man's life. He now sees Jesus in a different light. We notice that he recognizes Jesus as the sinless Son of God. Notice again what he said there uh, in verse 41. In verse 41 he said, but this man has done nothing wrong. This thief not only realized that he was dying because of his sin, he realizes that Jesus was dying also for his sins. You see, understand this, virtue that he hadn't seen in any other person he sees now in Jesus. Vices and sins that he had seen in every other person, he doesn't see any of that in Jesus. Somehow the Holy Spirit like, like pulls the scales off of his eyes, pulls the blinders off of his eyes, and, and, and he, sees the, he sees Jesus in the true light of who he is, the sinless Son of God. And he wasn't the only one to see it. There were others who saw it. Remember, there was Judas even, the one who betrayed him, who was moved to say, I have betrayed innocent blood. You remember, Pilate was the one who condemned him, who said, I find no fault in him. Remember, Pilate's wife, uh, who was saying, have nothing to do with this just man. Uh, he is right. He is just. There's nothing wrong with him. So if you could have put Jesus under a microscope, uh, like looking at a perfectly cut diamond, you would find no fault, you'd find no failure, you'd find no flaw. The reason is because he is God. Jesus wasn't God because he was sinless. He was sinless because he was God. So, so this thief sees Jesus here as the sinless Son of God. But he also sees Jesus as the saving Son of God. Because the first and only words that this thief ever spoke to Jesus, he began by calling him Lord. We see in this verse he calls him Jesus. Other passages and other translations use the word Lord. So think about this. He said, Jesus, remember me, or Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. At that moment, this dying thief is the only person in the world that's calling Jesus Lord. Everybody down below is mocking Jesus. His followers have been silent about Jesus. Everybody else is saying, if you are the Christ, if you are the Son of God, but here's this thief, uh, there were no ifs for him, there were no ands for him, no buts about it at this point in his life. Jesus Christ was Lord. I believe that if that thief had died that moment that he said, Lord, he would have gone to heaven. He believed that he was saved, uh, I believe that he was saved at the exact moment that he confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Because the Bible says this in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of of the Lord will be saved. And that means that you're believing in what Christ did for you. You're submitting yourself under his lordship over your life. That's what this thief did. And then we see that he recognized Jesus as the sovereign son of God. After properly addressing Jesus, he makes that dying request when he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That may be the most amazing example of faith, of raw faith found in the Word of God. Think about it. This is not EE, Evangelism Explosion. Uh, this is not Christian witness training. Uh, this is not some elaborate witnessing session here that he's got to say some long prayer or some, something like that. He simply calls out to Jesus, calls him Lord, and then says, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus never looked less like a king than he did at that moment. Everybody else was saying, if you are the king, this man says, I want you to remember me when you come into your kingdom because I know that you are the king. His throne was the cross. His diadem uh, was a crown of thorns. His scepter were those bloody spikes. His, his court was a mob of mockers. And yet this dying thief, seeing through the eyes of faith, recognized Jesus as, as the, not only a king, 
but as the King of kings, not only as a Lord, but the Lord of lords. And that leads us to our final point here in verse 43, the resolution of his Savior. The resolution of his Savior. Here was a man who probably had broken every commandment many times over. And notice what Jesus says to him in verse 43. He said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Matthew tell, told us, as we read earlier, that these two men were robbers. Now, that word robber means one who robs openly with violence. That is, these men, they weren't just petty thieves. Uh, they were armed robbers. They were cutthroats who, who would kill uh, probably even their own mothers for a dollar. Here was this man who had flaunted his sin all of his life in the face of God. And just moments before, he had been ridiculing and blaspheming God's own son. And now he makes a simple request, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Understand this, he didn't have anything to offer Jesus. He, he couldn't say, hold on a second, let me get down off this cross and, and go over here and do some good works, and, and then maybe I can get myself to heaven. If you'll get me off this cross, I'll go do some good things. None of that. Here's this man who's hanging on this cross, and he asks simply, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't have anything to offer Jesus. He couldn't make any kind of trade. All he could say was, in my hand, no price I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Notice carefully and prayerfully what Jesus gave to him, though. He gave to him a gracious salvation, a gracious salvation. Notice Jesus here. Jesus, immediately, Jesus makes a reservation for this man in heaven. He says to this man on the cross, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. You don't got anything to worry about. You'll be there with me. And this is the only man in the Bible ever saved at the last moment this is, that we know of. This is the only deathbed repentance recorded in the Bible. It's the only case of a man being saved literally at the last minute. But I want you to notice here that this man was not saved by good works because he didn't have any. He wasn't saved by joining a church. He never had that opportunity to join a church. He wasn't saved through the waters of baptism. He, he didn't have time. All he had was God's grace and his faith. This thief is the classic illustration of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9, that says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your, of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation isn't in the merit of a person. It's in the mercy of God. It's not in the goodness of a person. It's in the grace of God. Salvation isn't a reward for, for the righteous. It's a gift for the guilty. Uh, notice also Jesus gives him a guaranteed salvation. Understand here, this thief only had one assurance that he was indeed going to heaven, and that was the word of Jesus, the word of God. He said to him, some, he said to him, truly, I say to you, some versions say assuredly. The word assuredly there is the Greek word that many times is translated amen. It's a word of affirmation. It's a word that guarantees the truth of, of what is being said. The only way that thief had of being sure that he was going to heaven that day was because Jesus said he would. May I say to you that the only way that you and I can know for sure that we're going to heaven is what God says in his word. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. I'd encourage you to jot this verse down, at least the reference. 1 John 5, verse 13. Where John writes and says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 
You may be saying here this morning, are you telling me that the only assurance I can have that I will go to heaven when I die is the Word of God? That's exactly what I'm saying. In fact, I'll go further. This isn't just all we have. This is all we need. If God says it, that settles it, and we ought to believe it. Jesus says to this thief, when will you be with me in paradise? Today, not tomorrow, not sometime off in the future. He says today. This is this word, to, I like that word today, don't you? It means there's no purgatory. There's no soul sleep. But seeing, simply being absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That man's soul was in heaven before, before they could ever uh, take him down off that cross, before the undertaker ever heard he was dead. The promise of Jesus on earth became the presence of Jesus in heaven. Notice finally the glorious salvation that Jesus gives. Jesus says to this man, today you will be with me in paradise. Think about that for just a moment. The last person Jesus saw on this earth was the first person Jesus welcomed into heaven. Has it ever occurred to you that the first person that Jesus ever took to heaven after his crucifixion was a murderous, cutthroat thief who was saved in the dying moments of his life? I believe that is just God's way of telling us that Jesus can save anybody, anytime, at any place. One of the greatest preachers who ever lived since the Apostle Paul was Charles Spurgeon. You know what his last words were before he died? His last words were this, Jesus died for me. I believe those may have been the last words of that thief before he closed his eyes on this earth and opened them in heaven. Imagine the peace that overwhelmed him when Jesus said to him, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Copernicus was a great man, a brilliant man. He was a Polish astronomer whose ideas changed the entire way we view this universe. When Copernicus lay dying, he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, I do not ask the kindness that thou didst show to Peter. He said, I dare not ask the grace that thou didst grant to Paul. But Lord, the mercy that thou didst show to the dying thief, that mercy show to me, I earnestly pray. There's a song that we sing that says this, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief, he rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sin away. Think about that. Just like those thieves, every single one of us who are here this morning, if you're watching online, every single one of us are going to die. People have died before us for generations upon generations upon generations. Every one of us are going to die. You're going to die on one side of Jesus or the other. You're going to spend eternity with one of those two thieves. Two men died that day, and the only difference between them was Jesus. You understand that the thief who was lost, he didn't go to hell for what he did. He didn't go to hell because uh, of, of, of any of those crimes that he committed. He didn't go to hell because of robbing. He didn't go to hell because of stealing or his murdering. He went to hell because of what he didn't do. Jesus died for all those sins. He went to hell because he rejected the Son of God. Three crosses stood on Calvary's hill, surrounded by a mob. Two crosses bore two dying thieves, and one the Lamb of God. Two crosses bore two dying thieves who justly suffered shame. The one cross bore God's sacrifice, the Lamb for sinners slain. 
One thief received the dying lamb, repented of his sin. The other thief refused to hear and did not enter in. There's a story about a little boy who lived next to this elderly man who was known to be the wisest man in town. Well, one day, this little boy thought he would try to fool this man. So he thought of a problem which there'd be no right answer. He went and he found and caught this little bird and he thought to himself, I'll put this bird in my hand and I'll, I'll put it behind my back and I'll ask this man if this bird is alive or dead. And if the man answers he's alive, I'll crush the bird and show that he's dead. But he said, if he says that he's dead, then I'll open my hand and show that he's alive and he'll fly away. So he went to the man next door and he said to him, I have a bird in my hand. He said, I tell, he said tell me, if you're so wise, is this bird dead or is it alive? Well, that wise man thought for just a moment and he said, well, son, it's up to you because the answer is in your hands. Understand this this morning. The answer is in your hands. One of these days you're going to die on one side of Jesus or the other. The question is which side are you on? The choice is up to you. The answer is in your hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. And thank you for helping us to see things here with Jesus on the cross through the eyes of one of these thieves who came to faith in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize this morning if we're here, we're watching online, and we don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've never trusted in him by faith, Help us, Lord, to realize this morning that this may be the last opportunity we have. We are not promised tomorrow. This may be the only opportunity we have. And Lord, just as simply as this thief responded and called Jesus Lord, it is as simple as we have to come to trust by faith in Jesus. All we have to say is, dear God, I know I'm a sinner, just like that thief acknowledged he was a sinner. All we have to do is trust Believe in what Jesus did for us on the cross and, and in the tomb and, and, and communicate that I believe in you, Jesus, and what you did. I ask you to come into my heart and to save me and to help me to live for you whatever days I may have left on this earth. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, if someone's prayed something like that in, in their own words and in the sincerity of their heart and they believe in what Christ has done for them, Lord, help them to acknowledge and realize in their hearts that they are saved according to the Word of God. Father, I pray that they would come forward this morning to publicly profess that faith in Christ. And Lord, that they would then go through the waters of baptism to publicly profess to others what has happened in their lives, knowing that baptism doesn't save us, but it's an outward picture of what's happened in our hearts and our lives through salvation. But Father, I pray this morning that if there are those of us who are here as believers, there may be some, Lord, who have been even doubting. Lord, I pray this morning they would have that confidence that this thief had upon the cross, not based on anything he did, not based on anything anybody else did except for Jesus and what Jesus' word said to him and what the word of God says to us, that if we trust by faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we too will be with him in heaven. So help us, Lord, to make that decision this morning, and may you be glorified and honored in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation number 305, will you make your way and come this morning as the Lord lays on your heart? To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided. Go. Oh. 
seated. Brother Mark, if you'll come and share our announcements. Good morning. We just have one announcement from Building and Grounds Committee. We have 10 oak pews that are over at the annex. If anybody's interested in adopting one or more of those, please call the church office and that can be arranged. Uh, does anybody have any other announcements? That's all I had this morning. If not, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father, for this message. From your heart, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to be our savior, to be our, our atonement, our salvation, and the love of our lives. We, we just pray that uh, if there be anyone here uh, that is wrestling with this decision of which side uh, that they are on with respect to the cross, that you might work in their hearts and lives. We pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you. 